Jan Price talks to the movers and shakers in the film business. The Jan Price Show, all about movies. You are listening to The Jam Price Show, all about movies. And today, my guest is Mimi Shakarova, who is Emmy-nominated filmmaker, and she's also the founder and creative director for Still I Rise, which um, is just an amazing organization, and also bite-sized films. Welcome to the show, Mimi. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. This is very interesting. You you have a... Um, what you're doing is pretty amazing. So I do want to talk about Still I Rise... Um, um, definitely, because that's the that's kind of the foundation for everything that you're doing. Correct. That is correct. So let's t- talk about how you started this, and um, and, and ha- what was what generated the idea to begin uh, Still I Rise, and also just so our listeners know, what is Still I Rise all about? Still I Rise uh, Films is so it's Still I Rise Films dot org. It's an organization. Um, it's it's run by filmmakers, uh, myself included. And I, I, I'm the founder of this organization. I thought it would be, first of all, really important to create a platform for short films that deal with adversity and overcoming adversity and still rising, um, you know, above the odds and telling stories of ordinary people who often don't have a chance to tell those stories. Um, they don't have, you know, we, I remember when I was teaching at Berkeley um, and I was on the admissions committee, I w- we would get all of these applications from graduate students. And often they would say, you know, I want to be a journalist or a filmmaker so I can give voice to the voiceless. And that always um, upset me because I felt that it's not that people are voiceless. It's just that they don't have an outlet for that voice. Right. You know, people have been telling their stories all along. It's just that it's very difficult to get those stories in the right place uh, and get people to care and get people to change perception and behavior and so on. So I thought, you know, I, I made a bunch of feature uh, length films. And so I come from the long form tradition. And I thought if my ultimate goal with the work that I do is to change perceptions, maybe it would make more sense to create short films because as you know, um, you know, the 85 minute or 90 minute documentary films take the work. Um, and I thought, you know, compressing it to a 15 or 17 or 20 minute film will give me the ability to perhaps make six or seven or eight of them per year and on different people and different subject matter and different struggles that people go through um, and be able to offer more to the world. And at the same time, make sure that more of us women get to do the same, which is how the fellowship program um, got started as an idea and is finally here and happening. So it's been pretty exciting. It is very exciting. It is very exciting, um, and and I love I love the concept of the bite sized films. That they're you know you're you're right. I mean you you complete the stories pretty much in whatever time period because each film is a slightly different uh, length. Uh, so you do complete the stories there. I I I, I they were all pretty inspiring and amazing stories. Um, and and I want to know how you chose the different uh, people that you decided to document? It's a great question. I would say it's a combination of mostly serendipity coming across people, um, uh, you know, friends and colleagues telling me you should talk to someone 
someone, I came across someone whose story is remarkable, you should talk to that person. Um, and then sometimes in one case, feeling like I had done a project a while back in um, Los Angeles in uh, Skid Row, and I met some remarkable, it was on homeless uh, veterans, homeless women veterans. And so I met some remarkable social workers along the way doing that project. So I knew when I started Still I Rise that I wanted to do a, on so, someone who was working as a social worker because I have such respect for that profession mm -hmm. and for people who choose that profession right. because they're so underpaid and often underappreciated. So I was I was actually seeking someone. You know, I actually did research to find um, someone who was working as a social worker and that's the story in The Bullet. Um, but yeah, you know, I would say with every single film that we produced uh, and put out there, the, the origins of how we found the individual varies, but a lot of it is serendipity. It's just identifying, you know, having a short conversation with someone. For example, in The Snake, a young man I had known for years, but I didn't know his personal story until one day we were uh, screening one of the feature films we had done, and he was there in the lobby of this theater, of this movie theater, and he came to me and he said, you know, you should really hear what I have been through and, you know, my own personal journey. And I said, look, I would love to. And it took another two years to sit down with him and um, record the story on, on camera. Um, yeah, I, I would say, you know, it's amazing what the things that people hold inside and often don't share with the world because it's, you know, it's so deeply personal. But, you know, from that comes the whole notion of personal stories truly matter because they break down all these boundaries of we think we're so different. We think we're and we're not like we all experience very similar um, obstacles in our lives, some to a lesser degree than others. So that 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 has been the objective is just to to tell, you know, and, and not to let geography, you know, not to focus only in the place where I live or where I'm based, but to, you know, you get on a plane, you fly to where you need to and you tell those stories regardless of where the person is living. That's why. Yeah, that's. I mean, it's so remarkable. That's why I love film. I mean, people, you know, think, oh, is this really important? Is filmmaking, you know, that essential? Well, we certainly discovered last year during the pandemic how essential movies really are and how they are important in our lives. But this way of telling people's lives in such a simple way, uh, because everybody's got a story, I'm sure, you know, everybody's gone through different experiences, but you've highlighted, um, you know, pretty amazing people. And I, I really, the one that really just touched me so much is the one that's called The Light. And I'd like to have you tell our listeners a little bit about what that movie's all about, because I just, I thought it, her story was just amazing. Yeah, Jasmine's story is incredible. Um, it could not have been a better fit for Still I Rise. Um, her story came from a colleague of mine who I have uh, a lot of respect for, Bob Nicholsberg, who's a photojournalist. And he, he and I have stayed in touch for many, many years. We've been colleagues. We've worked together in the field because before my life as a filmmaker, I was a photojournalist. And when I started Still I Rise, he um, reached out and he said, you know, I've been doing this project in the United States on women who had been trafficked and women who um, are now speaking about that experience and doing a lot of outreach to help others in similar situations where often they're trafficked by a boyfriend and, and the boyfriend becomes the pimp and, and then they're you know transported from state to state um, often working in massage parlors and, and places that are so obvious
obvious, right? They're so, you know, in the middle of a downtown district, you know, people are doing, going on with their lives and it's happening right in front of them, but they don't know how to identify that someone is actually forced into something, forced into prostitution. So um, Bob asked me, you know, I've been, I've been, t- you know, documenting the story through photographs for of this woman, Jasmine, for the last three years. Would you be interested in talking to her? And I said, absolutely. I did. I think, you know, she sounds remarkable. She had written a book about what had happened while she was trafficked by her pimp, who was also her boyfriend. Um, and, and, you know, the different horrible things that she endured. And that also led to drug addiction and just how a woman's spirit can be uh, truly torn apart piece by piece and how difficult it is to put those pieces back together. What's remarkable about Jasmine is that she eventually got, you know, sober and clean. She um, she got her degree. She finished college. Um, she married someone who was very, you know, gentle with her and, and kind to her. And she had children and kind of became the suburban mom, <laughs> driving in her minivan, going to the supermarket, doing the day-to-day tasks uh, that many suburban moms do. And no one really knew her other life before, she, you know, before, um, you know, be- before she had children and a husband in a nice house. And so a lot of women would just keep quiet and they would say, look, I made it. I, I'm good now. I don't need to help anyone else. I've, I've you know, I got lucky. I'm, I've survived this. I, I've, she had numerous overdoses and, you know, managed to come out alive. And she felt very, you know, blessed and lucky and fortunate. And But she didn't. She didn't stay quiet. She started an organization to help other women. And she started speaking and writing and creating this, um, what she calls bags of hope, where, you know, they will package thousands of, and you see that in the film, you know, Mm -hmm. thousands of bags full of, you know, supplies that women on the streets um, need. And no one really thinks about the things that women need because they're invisible. Right. Um, They really, they're there, but they're not really there when it comes to the way people treat them, society treats them. So, uh, what's lovely is that, you know, Jasmine would drive around and she would do her daily motherly tasks. And along the way, she will come across a woman who is on the street on a corner and she would pull over and give her a bag of hope and an encouraging note and a hug and say, look, I've been there. I've been where you are and just know that you're not alone. And sometimes that act of kindness, you know, that small act of kindness can really make a huge difference. And she knows that because she was at that place and she tells that story in the film. Um, the, the film is very simple if you think about it. Mm-hmm. It's just Jasmine sitting down telling you, um, we didn't want to use any photographs from that period of her boyfriend. And, um, and you know, we just, we wanted to actually use art. So I had a remarkable illustrator who works with us at Still I Rise, illustrate her past and the things that she went through. And I think through art, we have such a a better way to use our imagination as we hear her words about what it must have felt like to be in that position. It's just amazing when you hear her and what she went through. 
And then to come out of it, to have somehow, to have that inner strength to... It just seems, to me, sometimes when you hear these stories, you go, oh my goodness, how, how can they even come, dig themselves out and, and, and become functioning in society again? And obviously she did. I, I was curious was she, whether she was still married or not, because they, you never showed the husband at all in this. You know, sometimes husbands are camera shy. I don't think he, you know, he was at work and I I don't think he wanted to be a part uh, of the story. And that's understandable. It didn't, he didn't need it, but you never, there was never any mention of a husband. So you're kind of like, okay, now how did she have those children? (laughs) Yeah, no, she's still married. Um, And that's good to hear. When we, when I spoke with her, when we, you know, did the interview and, and I asked her those questions, some of which are very um, painful to relive. At the end of it, I said, you know, Jasmine, I'm thinking of a title for this. And, um, you know, I want to spend some time really thinking about it because the title of the film should represent the story. And a few weeks later, I, I thought of it. I thought the light, you know, right. she is the light, you she know, she... It's just, and I, I asked her, how do you feel about this? And she said, I, I think that's, you know, that's how I feel on a daily basis when I'm help, when I'm helping people. So I think with Still I Rise, it's not just enough to share those stories, but also to figure out what people do with them. What do people mm-hmm. do with the difficulties, the trauma, the suffering that they have endured? How, do, how are they trying to make it better for others, right? That full circle is very important to me that I think um, often as filmmakers, we tell these stories that are complex and difficult, and then we leave our audience kind of frustrated, you know, because the audience feels, especially in the documentary tradition, Mm -hmm. because often Mm -hmm. documentaries are about social justice, about change. You know, we're making films because we want to change conditions. We want to change things. And that's our weapon. That's, That's what we have as visual storytellers. And so, you know, when you have an audience that says, okay, now I know, I know all these things that happen to people, but what can I do? Right. I thought this is a lovely way to find individuals who have been through all of this, but also have figured out a solution and are doing their part. And it could be small, you know, it's the daily small acts of kindness, right? They're not, you know, they're not winning awards. They're not on television telling you they're not they don't have time to really um promote what they're doing and that's not who they are and that's why the emphasis is on ordinary people that's who we want we want ordinary people who don't have time to think about being famous or having someone congratulate them for the work they do they do it because that's their calling because they understand what it's like to walk in someone else's shoes and they feel that their purpose is to help others. And I think by having films like that, you're, you, you mentioned earlier that you felt inspired after watching them. That's the whole idea that we have so many negative messages, right? Yes. So much that you feel, you know, you watch something and then you feel just, you feel bad because you can't change it or because you don't know how to change it. And here is a roadmap of, here is someone who has suffered, who has been through something that very few of us have gone through. And here is how she has figured out a way to not be in the shadows, not live a life of silence, but 
actually reach out and and help others in the same predicament. You know, I think that's why, um, how do I say this, certain people go through things like she did. And somehow, some way, there's something inside, there's that little kernel of hope or and light, let's say light, because we all are light beings, um, say that light, and that somehow, some way, she was able to work her way through that. And I think that's what it's all about, is being able to help others. And you, as you said, you know, it's like alcoholics who, you know, then they go through and they get sober, and then they decide to, you know, become a sponsor and help other people through that process, because that's, you know, they're all difficult. These, you know, addictions of any sort are difficult. But to, I think because when you're helping others, you really, obviously, we're always helping ourselves in, in, in that moment, too, um, when we're doing that. Well, you know, one of the things, so I think it's just so important that she discovered because she didn't right away right she didn't start to do anything right away so um and that something you know again that little spark you know said i'm gonna help people with this i mean it's such a it's it's magnificent what she's doing and and i just applaud her i really that story as i said hit me you know really deeply and um and i loved what she's doing um it's the other thing is awareness as we watch these films too to not ignore these people when we see them on the street i try it i know myself i mean i can only say but when i find a homeless person i carry cash in you know my car i don't carry cash any other time but i always have that so i can hand it to someone but i always want to acknowledge them you know and if i can't because i have to drive you know i always say god bless you as i'm driving away you know and i and i think what we do in society we just put the blinders on and we don't pay attention and we don't want you know we don't want to look at the homeless on the street and we don't want to look at the street walkers we just want to you know ignore them and i think what you're doing with your films in this particular instance and and, and your others too is that making us more aware of what we can do too on the other side of it, you know, the small things, that small act of kindness, as you're saying. And that's why what you're doing is just so brilliant. Well, thank you. I think as a filmmaker and as someone who gets to meet a lot of different people um, and gets to be in the life of a lot of different people, because it's not like you're meeting in office spaces, you're going into people's homes, you're spending time with their kids, um, you're, you're sharing meals, you're eating what they're eating. And you're in so many different um, situations. You know, you get to, I think as a filmmaker, I'll just speak for myself, I, I, I find myself thinking that I am just a block, a corner away from any of, of that. Mm-hmm. I'm just a corner away from being on the streets or being in that same situation. I never feel, I think also just because I've met um, and I've spoken to so many people who it's it's not that it's not that difficult to fall through the cracks. It's not that difficult, and I think anyone who thinks that no, I'm I'm secure and I'm safe, and this can never happen to me, and it must be their fault, and it must be something that they didn't do right. Um, that's not only a naive and sheltered way to to look at life and other people's lives, but um, it's not a, a smart way <laughs> to look at life because it could be you. Exactly. It could be you, and I think if exactly. you carry on through life as you interact with people and as you see people with that understanding that, you know, I am just a block away from that at any given moment in my life. This is a possibility. Then your sense of compassion and your sense um, of 
how different people are played, different cards at different times in their lives, it gets height and then it humbles you. You know, it really humbles you. That has been my your experience of it. I, 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 it's interesting because I always have said, there for the grace of God go I. That I, you know, I could be there as easily as anybody else could be there. And again, this year, uh, more and more people who never had to reach out for help, you know, they never felt food insecure or worried about their housing. And all of a sudden, you know, a whole, you know, thousands of people, thousands and thousands of people have been thrown into that situation. So, you know, again, it's like, you know, n- never think it can't happen to you too. We, we, for you as the filmmaker, how has this changed you sharing these stories and uh, with the world? Um, it's changed me uh, by giving me to be honest, it's changed me by giving me hope. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah, I've spent so many years. Um, if if you look at my own history and you look at the work that I've done before Still I Rise, I spent a lot of years focusing on the evil and horrible things we're capable of as human beings, both as a photojournalist covering places of conflict, places where there is war, um, and a lot of suffering. And then also in my own, where I come from, in Eastern Europe, in the Balkans, you know, I, I did a documentary film that took seven years to make on women who were sold into sex slavery from my region. And so I saw um, the darkest, the darkest place. And I, I think I I wanted to, in order for me to be a functional <laughs> um, and, and a creative person, in order for me to continue doing work, I felt that I couldn't keep making that type of work. After a decade of that, I, I just I wanted to shift my focus to something that uplifts the spirit that, you, you know, you're not shying away from reality, but you also feel, as I mentioned earlier, that there are ways that you can turn things around, that you can turn something really dark into something that can help other people. I think we, we talk so much about that. Of, of when you survive something, what do you do with that? And finding individuals who not only have survived it, but are figuring out um, ways to, you know, lift others up. Mm-hmm. I that, that gives me hope. I, I like to be around people. I like to be actually, you know, to answer your question, I like to be around the people I film. I really like them as human beings. And it's so wonderful that even after years of making a film, you stay in touch with people and you know what they're up to, you know, you know what their journey is. And it's, it's, it's wonderful. You just feel like you're growing um, this, I don't want to say community, but it's, you're, you're growing, your understanding is growing and you know, they're out there. So you, you feel like there's a lot of people doing a lot of remarkable things that we just don't hear enough about. Exactly. And we, and I think all of us need to hear these positive, uplifting stories rather than negative. I think, as I said, during the pandemic, I was saying to somebody, I said, I almost, you know, during the pandemic, I couldn't watch any of these depressing movies. I had to, you know, I was like going to, you know, romantic comedies all the time just because I didn't want to watch anything that was negative anymore. And of course, with what I do, I watch a lot of films, obviously, and a lot of documentaries and a lot of independent film. And, you know, and but I, I always like it when the film gives you some hope at the end of it, you know, after you watch a documentary, and they tell you all the things that are wrong, and you go, well, how do we solve it now? <laughs> now that you've told us that, so I, I, uh, I agree with you. We only have a, a few seconds, but where can people see um, the bite, bite-sized films? And where can they go and watch these movies? I like that you call them bite-sized films. I, I love food that's in bite-sized. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I'm a grazer. <laughs> they 
can they can go to stillirisefilms.org and they'll see all of our films and one objective that we had is to make sure that they're free to make sure they're accessible so you don't need to subscribe you don't need to pay you just go to the to the platform to the site and enjoy them oh wonderful wonderful well i highly recommend everybody uh go to stillirise.org and and watch these it's there there you'll be inspired and um yeah you'll come away feeling good about humanity mimi thank you so much such a pleasure having you on the show and and i look forward to seeing more work that you do in the future so thank you so much thank you so much for watching our work i really appreciate it oh you're very my pleasure my pleasure you're very welcome if you've missed any of the jam price shows all about movies they're all archived on the jam and also on the iheart podcast network spotify google play anywhere where you get your uh podcast and also you can follow us at the jam price show on instagram and twitter thank you all for listening Jan Price talks to the movers and shakers in the film business. The Jan Price Show, all about movies.